VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Wine Times, brought to you in association with the Sunday Times Wine Club with me, comedian and wine novice, Susie Ruffle. And me, Will Lyons, the Sunday Times wine columnist and vice president of the Sunday Times Wine Club. Throughout this series, I have taken up the much coveted role as apprentice of wine to try and become the master of all things grape related. But you won't be on this journey alone, Susie. Oh no, every episode we'll be joined by a well-known guest for some good wine, good times and lively conversation. And don't forget, if you like the sound of any of the wines we have on the show, then fear not, because they're available through the Sunday Times Wine Club. If you haven't signed up yet, there'll be a link in the episode description for you. So, whether you're an expert with a broad palate... Or reckon yourself somewhat of a sommelier... In this show, we're all here for the right Riesling. That was terrible, Will. (laughs) Absolutely (laughs) dreadful. We're here in the fabulous church-turned-boozy destination Amazing Grace in London Bridge, ready to bless the wine and, of course, have a good time. Discussing and decanting with Susie and myself today is broadcasting legend Sean Keaveney. He's already laughing at the word legend. Sean is best known for his 14 years of top-notch presenting on BBC Radio 6 Music. But since leaving the station in September 2021, Sean is yet to sit back and smell the roses. Instead, he's been busy beavering away setting up his own DIY radio station, Community Garden Radio, where Sean broadcasts a live show every Friday. And on top of that, Sean is hosting two brand new podcasts, Creative Cul-de-Sac, which features people's unrealised ideas, plus a BBC podcast on travel called Your Place or Mine. It's clear Sean is a force to be reckoned with in the brilliant world of broadcast. But today, we'll be doing our best to get Sean to slow down and smell the rosé. you see what I did there? Pretty terrible, actually. (laughs) Pretty terrible! Hello, Sean. Welcome to our show. Thanks for having me. We're we're very excited to have you. It's A legend of broadcasting. I've never... I mean, what a lovely thing to hear. And I'm going to allow that to land, and I'm going to take that compliment. Thank you. That was great. Pleasure. Please. Everyone's really excited, actually, aren't they? Yeah, Sean's the whole gone. team have been very excited that you're coming oh, in. Yeah. Well, it was a, a crate of wine was mentioned, and I thought <laughs> all, all the detail fell away at that point. I was like, well, what, what glass do I have to crawl across to get this? So <laughs> and the, the glass is actually just... <laughs> oh, right, there, so. okay. Right, I see so it. once you've done that, we'll get on with the show. <laughs> How are you? I'm, ex- I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm not too bad. It's sunny outside. I'm in London Bridge, and I had a... A sort of, I had a little march around before I got here. So I sort of used to live nearish to here. And and so this used to be about 20 years ago when I first came to London. This was, I spent a lot of time around here. Yeah. And it's changed so much since then, you know. I mean, it was all fields, you know. <laughs> but yeah, it's great. I, I get, this is technically work. 
Yes. So I've got a bit of time away from the kids and all the other stuff to sit with you and drink wine. So what's your relationship to wine? Do you enjoy do you enjoy a glass of vino? Wine O. <laughs> um, I'm is is the word enophile? Yes. I'm not one of those. Um I, I've got a I've got a relatively uncomplicated relationship with wine, I think, you know. Uh-huh. I came to it late. Right. However, when I was about nine or ten, me and my uncle Martin, who's just in the interest of full disclosure, is only two years older than me, so he's my little brother. Right, okay. My grand would have New Year's Day parties. And so when I was about nine or ten, we would sit under the table that would have the buffet on it, yeah. and it would have a tablecloth on it, and there would be a bottle of QC here, and the, a little arm would go up and grab the bottle of QC when all the, the parents and the grandparents and the aunts and uncles were having a drink. We'd have a little go ourselves. <laughs> now, I know that's fortified wine. Yeah. But I think that set the scene for the rest of my life. <laughs> but did you- Mind sweeping. Mind sweeping. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I think. Yeah, I think we got a taste quite early for that. But from then on, it was like a traditional Northwest England, pounding the pints kind of mm. scenario as a sort of young man, uh, all the way up to relatively recently. Like when I was when I was about thirty, thirty one, I met my my first wife. She sort of introduced me to the concept of recreational wine drinking yeah. but it was then it was more um top shop tempranillo you know what i mean right yeah. okay like so you just go into the top shop the pelican off license and you'd sort of go well what, what can you get for eight quid and yeah. um so that was my introduction yeah to i mean it's you know it's embarrassing but it's true no but no. i don't think it is embarrassing so no, i think that's I most people's you think because my parents aren't into wine at all uh, my mum would say, oh, it gives me headache. So <laughs> Very heavy. <laughs> and so I think that most people's is, you know, going in and going, well, I said to Will once, I said, um, like about six, between six and eight pounds. And like, if it's got a sausage dog on it, I'm having it. Like, that, like <laughs> that, it's terrible that I'd be like, oh, it's got a, um, it's got a frog on a unicycle. I imagine that's an excellent wine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a lot to do with with the label. Yeah, yeah. sure. Isn't that, isn't that awful? But it really is, isn't it? You can get really sucked in by the label. Oh yeah. But I, I don't know why. It's maybe it's a British thing that we get so hung up on wine. Um, maybe it's because it's the traditionally, like you know, two hundred years ago, it was the, only the aristocracy that drank wine. And, and again, my parents weren't really into it. Then we've had this wave of democratisation, mm. so you get wine everywhere now. But we still feel a little uncomfortable, don't we? Whereas yeah. on the continent. Yeah, it's completely normal. Yeah. And it's it's okay, by the way, not even to travel down the wine route. Just stay at that Pelican Tempranillo, you know, yeah. and just enjoy wine at, at that level. I, 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 I'm i quite unusual that I don't really mind. I liken it to football. I think it sort of it crosses class boundaries and geographical regions. And it's, You're right. It, it is a thing that it, it's a bit... This country's riven with it, though, isn't it? It's like yeah. the class system, <laughs> you yeah. know. I mean, I'm... <laughs> You know, I people have told me I've got a chip on my shoulder about such things, and maybe they're right. Um, I do love, and chips. maybe they're not. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and so I think wine. Yeah, you're right. Sometimes it's a bit intertwined with all that, isn't it? Yeah. But it, it. But you know, I I did start to develop. You know, I, I would I would develop favourites in and amongst all that, and st- you know, you start to drink yeah, slightly better wine and get a bit more into it. But there's nothing more exciting to me than going abroad and drinking wine yeah. because mm. i mean it, and then I, I but then obviously it's a bit like the sort of wine label thing as well so is it just because i'm sitting 
in a rustic village in Italy, whatever they pour me, I'm probably going to think is delicious. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's, it's just the house wine or whatever. I don't know that was French you know, rather than Italian. But There is no doubt that when you're on holiday, you relax and your mood changes. And I think, I don't know if I've ever read any research on this, but the, but it changes the way you taste things, appreciate food and wine. Mm. And that's why holiday wines are so popular. Because, um, you know, it, it, when you're at home and you're stressed, you get such a slight metallic taste in your mouth, don't you? Mm. Whereas when you're on holiday, it's just oh, so... God. Everything tastes good on holiday. That's exactly... What would be your go-to order if you were a, if you were at a bar, a nice wine bar, or if you were sitting down to have dinner? Mm. What would be... <laughs> Sean's this, closing his eyes, he's I do, going somewhere. Incidentally, in I, I do do that a lot. I think it's... Uh, I've talked about this too much recently, but I, I think I'm a bit adult ADD, you see. So it's the only way that I can communicate is by closing my eyes it's very oh. odd it's it's also slightly rude but um <laughs> but I, I think this is the juncture to explain something important i've mentioned this to will before that um so i got covid in uh, for, i got covid for christmas 2020 and i got i think it was the delta the mm-hmm. delta variant and it that took my sense of smell and taste completely out for a few weeks and it's only it's only semi-returned. Oh. So I, I'm in this weird hinterland now where I like different wines than I used to because I, d- I don't know what works and what doesn't anymore. It's like my palate is all over That is just terrifying. Yeah. So d- d- what was it? So you could, even if you had sort of Vicks that really smelled strongly, you couldn't smell that. I've heard stories of It went like that for a while. And wow. then it, it sort of quite quickly, it semi-returned. And yeah. Because I'm... I don't know, a combination of I'm all over the place. I'm not very good at sorting things out. I remember a friend of a friend was saying, I know this person who can get it back for you and she puts you on a course and you, I'm sure you've all heard of them, you know, you olfactory yeah. courses and, you know, you got to smell lemon or something. And I just never got around to doing <laughs> it. So I don't know if that would have helped or not. But it, But yeah, there's no question that it's not fully back and I don't know if it ever will come fully back. But, and so now it's odd because I can't work out how much of what I'm tasting is like a sense memory as opposed to, you know, like my memory yes. going, I remember what this used to taste like and sort of filling it in a bit. We've discussed this on the podcast about uh, if you pour a red wine and a white wine and your eyes look at it, send a signal to your brain. So you already know what it's yes. going to taste like before you even sniff it. And it's funny, if you put um, red dye, odorless red dye in a white wine, and then you give it to someone, they will think it's a red wine. Oh, the, the, the scientific tests have yeah. shown this. Should we start with the first one? Well, we're, yeah, we're sort of starting our journey in, in, we'd imagine that we're in a wine bar in Hoxton. We're in sort of hipster place. Hipster territory. And we're doing, um, the first time we've ever done this on the series, we're doing an orange wine. The trendiest, this is the uber trendiest wine you can, you can have. If it was music, what would it be? I mean, it's really... It, it would be Fontaine's DC or something, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, so first of all, we're about 1,500 miles away in Romania, in Central Europe. Um, and orange wine is, as, as, as we've discussed, really trendy sort of subculture of wine. Sommeliers, wine critics, even myself can be quite snooty about it. The colour of wine comes from the skins. So if you think of red wine and you have a red wine grape, the grape actually looks like a blueberry, and then you press it, and the colour is clear. So you can make white wine from a red wine grape. 
um, champagne is the obvious example. So to get that red colour, you have to, after the fermentation, you pick your grapes, you put them in a vat, you have to soak the skins to the juice. That gives the red wine the colour. What they're doing here with white wine is they're leaving the skins on the juice for, I think, three weeks. And that gives it this wonderful... I mean, that is a lovely amber. Isn't it? Is it amber-rose colour? I'm always looking for adjectives to describe it. I think amber's it. good. Better it's sort of golden. Yeah, like more golden. a golden orange, yeah. And then this is um, this is a real Back to the Future wine. So the, it's actually made by an Englishman called Philip Cox. And he ferments it. So what you do is you pick your grapes and you put them in a... In a he puts it in a clay amphorae. So what they were doing in Georgia so thousands of years ago. And you can either add yeast to create the fermentation. That's when it warms up and you have the sugar turns to alcohol. Or you can just let it have it naturally. And this is all natural, I believe. Um, hand harvest, natural yeast, no sulfur. It's like an uber organic wine. It's almost apricot, isn't it? I was it? just about to say yeah, yeah. that. Apricot. Well, I mean, this is literally like um, a blind man trying to explain... Um, <laughs> Taking him into the National Gallery, isn't it? Yeah. What do you think of that one? <laughs> okay. Um, hang on. Let me just let me have a feel of it. Um, but I, this is the thing that I find really. I mean, if you, I, I probably, you probably think, oh God, this guy's wasting our time. But it's fascinating for me because it, I find out the parameters of, or the limits of what I can currently smell and taste. You mm. know. But if you taste it like Will tastes everything, because if you bring, yeah, your, so maybe you we should in, teach you. Might, you uh, have, yeah. So. You get the flavour more, don't you, if you taste it so in when the, you posh, go and, yeah. the posh wine drinker's way. But when you go in your tasting course, they're talking about orthonasal smelling. That's when you can smell coffee brewing or toast burning. And retronasal, that's when you, there's another hatch to your, your sense of taste is in the front part of your brain. Yeah. Okay. Of your bowl. And retronasal, you put the wine in your mouth and you pull the air across. Just like it was, I know it sounds horrible, like it was Listerine mouthwash. Put yeah. it in and sort of okay. swirl it round and then pull the air across. And that's when you get this retronasal olfaction. It's like biting into mm. salmon fish cakes. You, suddenly the flavour comes through. Can you taste it more? I'm getting a bit more of it. Actually. And it's spicy on the finish, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I'm, you know, I, I, like, I like to enter into rosé rose territory yeah. as well sometimes. So where does this sit? In the, I mean, so this is a it's white. Between, but... it's, it's, so it's base notes, isn't it? If you're talking about it, it's, it's texturally, it's quite heavy, I think. Mm -hmm. And so it sits between a white wine and a red wine. It is like a rosé in a way. Mm. And But by the way, rosé was first invented down in Provence as a way for them to drink red wines in the summer. So w w if you close your eyes when you're tasting a rosé, if it's not chilled, it ought to taste as dry as a red. Mm. And that's what this does, I yeah. think. I really like it. Why is it cool? Like, what's happened? Well, this is, like, a, is it like when ale had a moment? Yeah, and it's like there's two big wine tastings in East London, the Raw Wine Fair and the Natural Wine Fair. And you go there, they're packed, packed full of um, people you don't see at other wine tastings. because, mm. And I think it's that whole thing is that every generation wants to discover something for them. Mm -hmm. I, I don't have a problem with that at all. It, it just... A lot of natural wine has a bruised apple, almost cidery flavour mm. that for me doesn't feel like how wine should taste. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's the sort of Hoxton wine bar effect. And even I, I mean, I feel so out of place when I'm down. <laughs> but but, but um, um, yeah, I don't know why it's cool. Will's there in a backwards cap. <laughs> <laughs> Skateboard over his arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
absolutely. Um, hey, kids. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great. And the good thing is, you know, anything that introduces people to wine is fantastic. Otherwise, they go and drink beer or gin or, mm-hmm. or they won't drink at all. That's the big problem well, that we're facing. Can you imagine anything worse? listening to Wine Times, brought to you with the help of our friends at the Sunday Times Wine Club, your go-to experts for fantastic wine. And don't forget, if you like the sound of any of the wines we've been tasting in this episode, there'll be a link to them in the podcast description. The train is now approaching. Junction at platform. Passengers, airport, please stay on board. Next stop, road station iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm going to ask one of my stupid questions. Yeah, good, good, go ahead. Look at your face. Delighted with myself. Can't wait. I'm amazed that I've managed to land this job. <laughs> I'm drinking wine. I know nothing about what we're talking about. <laughs> At least you I'm can like, taste it properly. Well, that's the thing. But listen, but tasting it, absolutely, she's bang on the money. Um, <laughs> would people be squishing it with their feet as well? Would they be doing it really? Mm. They do in... in, in that's in, a good question. Yeah, good. In Portugal, in northern Portugal, they do that. Right. Um, to make uh, vintage port. Graham's down. You can actually go and see it. If you go in October, wonderful thing to watch. And it's the whole village still. They employ the whole village, normally picks, spend, you know, two weeks picking. And then in the evening, every evening, they go and tread the grapes. And I've actually dived yeah. in and done it. And you can feel where the fermentation starts. It's like a warm bath. Uh, oh, I see. And they get the accordion out. Oh, God. This and they have good. a meal. I love it. Romania, where it's made, is the same latitude are some of the great wine regions of the world, like Burgundy and Alsace. And then in the south, Provence. Um, Going back to your rosé, that was a really good point. It reminds me of when my wife was working in in Budapest, in Hungary, and I went out to visit her. I've got that right geographically, haven't I? I'm terrible on geography. Budapest, Hungary, that's right. right. But they do a a special kind of delicious dessert wine, don't they? Tokai. Tokai. Yeah. And um, I'm particularly into dessert wine because I like desserts, as you might notice. And um, and so I was determined to bring some of this stuff home. And I think I went out three times. And the first time I went out there and I bought a bottle of wine, Tokai wine, very excited, left it on the plane. Oh. <laughs> 
Heartbreak. Just left it on the plane. Crikey. And then it was like, okay, don't worry, because I'm going out there again in a month. And I went out there, bought another bottle. In fact, no, I bought two bottles, I think, as I recall. I came back home, got them all the way back home, remembered them. And I put my tote bag down with the bottles like that, smashed them. Oh, smashed them. So oh, I've never right. I've never really truly experienced Tokai wine for that reason. Oh, so not supposed to be tasting sure. any today. Well, we, we do have a surprise. We've got a, we've got a dessert wine. We have a we have a pudding wine for you. It's not Tokai, but it's it's better. Have you got a pudding wine? Yeah, Whoa. we have a pudding wine. Exciting. Well, it may be better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you find it really? Did you have to be really careful about having a drink in the evening when you were doing the breakfast show for so long? Well. Susie, I'm not careful enough, though. I don't think. You know what I mean? I think that if had I been more careful, I think I was still like relatively young in a set. You know, yeah, obviously, yeah, I was like ten years younger than I am now, and so I think I got away with it. I, I think now, if I tried to live the lifestyle I did then, mm-hmm. it would. I, I, don't, I think it would kill me now. Right. But I was sort of. Um, yeah, I, I I could do it. I could burn the candle at both ends for a while. I didn't do it in that Chris Evans in the nineties way. Though. Yeah, I was, I was just no, thinking of that. That's ridiculous. Say, couldn't that do book that. Of his, I've never like, read that. Oh, don't. I mean, no. <laughs> it gave but me I like. Just remember, gave me palpitations just reading about it. I just remember living through it and seeing his <laughs> schedule. Thinking, how does this guy do it? A massage in the middle yeah. of the day. That's what he says. I think. Right, well, so we're um, talking right. Chris Evans, actually. I saw Chris Evans. Where are we going? No way. We're 1,700 miles west. We're going to Bordeaux. Mm. This couldn't be further removed from the first wine. And this is, um, sure, I like to think counterintuitively. And when you think of Bordeaux, you think of big, the most expensive reds mm. in the world. But actually, a wine style there that's having a real moment is white Bordeaux. Mm. You know, talk to any sommelier or wine critic, they'll tell you that. And this is a very, very special wine, actually. It's um it's called L'Epiphanie de Bordeaux Blanc. It's 2020. Um, we're not allowed to reveal who it's made by. Mm. It's one of those things in Bordeaux where all the grand chateaux, Aubryon, Mouton Rothschild, the Tour, that sell for four or five hundred pounds a bottle if the, if the, if it's old, thousands. Uh, they not only make one wine; they make two, three, four wines. You know, and the second wines or the third wines are from vines that just a bit young or that the grapes aren't quite good enough to go into the final selection. But you do get still all the expertise of... And this is something in the Sunday Times Wine Club, they bought some of this uh, reserve wine and they bottled it themselves. And it's 100% Sauvignon Blanc. Um, well, so see what you think. And what they do in Bordeaux is they age their Sauvignon in oak. So it's a very different flavour to New Zealand Sauvignon, which is all gooseberry and zestiness. Mm. That's right. I tend to go for the gooseberry zestiness as yeah. opposed to the oaky, mm. the Phil Oakey. Now, this was music. This is it could be one of those albums that all the critics love, and it's very popular. But so, but but some people don't. You know, mm. an old mature white Bordeaux, I think is glorious. But it's not everyone's cup of tea. But um, yeah, you know, I like it. Yeah. I like it. I mean, if you went into a New York restaurant they, and asked for many, they might he might serve you something special like this. It's creamy, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Creamy. Um, and I think unlike the first one, which was delicious, this actually has quite a lot of different flavours. Mm. That's what we call, sorry, complexity. But Well, that's, that's going to be lost on me. <laughs> Can I ask, Will? Because you said, so this is, it's, it's just called L'Epiphanie yeah. de Bordeaux. But you said it's 100% Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah. As in, it's 100% the, the grapes. Yeah. Why isn't it called a Sauvignon Blanc then? Well, because I think um, 
in the old, what we call rather pompously the old world, so the, the old classic regions of Europe, they believe implicitly the taste and flavour of a wine comes from the vineyard where it's grown. And there's no other food stuff in the world that really has that. That's why the, the world's best-selling wine book is the World Atlas of Wine. Maybe cigars. They call it terroir. In the southern hemisphere, or what we pompously call the new world, Australia, New Zealand, South America, mm -hmm. California, they believe it's the grape variety that gives it, imparts the flavour. And there's this tension in the wine world between these two approaches. So in the new world, they purport that you could grow your vine in any terroir, it's all about the, 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 the type of grape. Whereas in the old world, they say, nah, it's, yeah. it's, the, it's the dirt that we're growing yeah, you, you've it. You've absolutely nailed it. Absolutely yeah. nailed it. So you could get a Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand. Yeah. And they think Sauvignon Blanc planted in California or China or Croydon will always taste the same. What do you think? Whereas the old world will say, no. I actually think the terroir argument has won. And it's interesting now, Sean, uh, Australia and New Zealand are trying to promote regionality. And I, I was in Sonoma earlier, and they have got 17 different AVAs in, their, in, in Sonoma. So they're all... What's an in, AVA? Well, well so, so you can, so it's all Appalachia. So it's all this particular part creates a wine that tastes like this. Yeah. Right, okay. But, but, but it's more complex than that, mm. obviously. And it's a person that makes it, because you can make a, a wine in a certain style. But there is something... And no one's got to the bottom of it. Why these particular, and they're fields, basically. Mm -hmm. Fruit farmers might explain it. Produce really good, distinct tasting wine. And it's interesting with English wine now, that we're living through this great patch. And Essex is emerging as a fabulous place to, to ripen grapes. They could do an orange wine there, couldn't yeah. they? That's the tanning. <laughs> I'll tell you, um, just as an interesting side order, the aforementioned uncle I was talking about, he's only two years older than me, him and his wife used to have a golf course in the on the Sussex Downs, and they sold it to a wine company. <laughs> he said, struggling for the word yeah. after a couple of wines. Um, and, and so, yeah, so that's all part really? of the is that it, part of the world. Was it isn't Rath Finney it? that bought it? Could be. It might even have been. Is it well? Night Timbers down Night there, Timbers isn't it? Down there. Part of the part of the wine world, me, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you turned up saying I know nothing. Turns out. I know the whole thing. Well, the thing is, I, I'm realizing that I'm going to have to do some heavy lifting somewhere because I can't really tell you anything about what things taste like. So <laughs> I'm trying to hurl in as much value as possible. And the other thing about wine is it's, it's, it's generally made in beautiful places. So going to your new podcast, you know, if you're traveling, yeah. South yeah. Africa, New Zealand. That was good. Australia, California. Who doesn't want to go to San Francisco? It does. It's like my wife has done it. She's done that whole, um, you know, Californian wine trail. You know, the sideways style mm. California wine Fantastic. trail, and I've never done that. So I did oh. go to, um, and you're going to ask me which one it was, and I won't be able to remember, but way back in the noughties, I, I, I definitely, we went. We were in Tuscany. We visited one of the wineries Could there and had a tasting. It wasn't that, but it yeah. was, began with B. Embarrassing, isn't it, that I don't remember. Yeah, not, yeah, but, not Barolo, but it was yeah, something yeah. like... You're thinking of Butlins. Is it that one? Yeah. <laughs> we went to Butlins. We had the most sensational wine tasting. They had Blue WKD. They had... <laughs> it was a good night. It was a very good night. It was. Campe Viejo. They do it well there as well. well I'm so glad you like, you like Tokai. And I would have had Tokai, but we've had it on the series before. So I bought another very special pudding wine that's made in a region which is benefiting from climate change. 
this is a bit like, what's it, Cool My Bluff? Or, yeah. uh, we're 4,000 miles west of Bordeaux. We're crossing the Atlantic. We're going to Canada. Mm. And this is an ice wine. So this is uh, one of the very most special sweet wines you can, you can have, actually. An ice wine. Mm, look at the color of that. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? It's beautiful. I can't do a Canadian accent. You're quite hard Canadian, yeah. isn't it? That's about it. Yeah, that's as far as I, I can get. I finished off the. I finished off the bottle there. Oh, good on, good on <laughs> us. <laughs> We've achieved something today. Good for us. Well done. So, um, why is it called ice wines? Because it's yeah. harvested, believe it or not, when the grapes are encapsulated with ice. So those poor wine producers have to wait. So, so normally your harvest time is September, October. They have to wait till mid-December to mid-January. They also have to wait by law in, in Canada for it to be cold enough on consecutive nights or consecutive hours, sorry. And it has to be minus eight. So you're, you're looking at four o'clock in the morning <laughs> and you're going out hand picking these things. I mean, with secateurs. You want to have some good gloves. Gla- you know, um, now going on to climate change, Germany used to make, or still does make, the greatest ice wine, but they, their, their winters aren't getting as cold as, you know. Right. As a, you know, generally speaking, Canada, or you know, down at Niagara, always gets these freezing cold winters, boiling hot summers. So Germany are, are, are losing their ice crop, but they are gaining an ability to to, to make red wines yeah. because it's of changing. Change. So you've got to react, haven't you? Mm. That, that smells so nice, and it's a wonderful region. So my sister, so good. My sister lives near here, so it's near Niagara Falls. I think Churchill described it when you drive down as the prettiest Sunday afternoon drive in the world, and Oh, yeah. Such an interesting nose yeah. on that. What would you describe that well, as? I think it's honey. Yeah, honey. okay. And yeah. I always think sweet wines are yes. the easiest to smell. And That's know, probably and why I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. finding this easier. Yeah. Peach? Is there, is there a honey there. Maybe they're like maple Yeah, a nice tropical fruit in a tin. You know, when you get sort of oh, yeah, tins. Oh, yeah. You mean like a fruit salad from the 90s? Yeah, exactly. exactly. A dull fruit salad, <laughs> yes, yeah. Exactly yeah. That. yeah. It's funny, my, my old boss, he's an enophile, mm. if that's the right word, beyond belief. Mm. And he made, he's the kind of guy who, you wouldn't mind me saying this, in the old days, you would expect to be taken out by your boss and, you know, so, meet you at the restaurant, it's all on the BBC. <laughs> uh, Paul would reverse the roles and we would have to pay. <laughs> And he would choose where, where to go. And he took us to, I, I had to take him out for lunch once. It was somewhere like the British Museum or something. I can't remember where it was. But he said, I said, why are we eating here? And he said, because it's got the most extensive wine cellar in London. Was it the Tate? It That's where Tate. it was. Yeah. So I didn't the, the know Rex that. Whistler. Only open for lunch. Yeah. Hamish Anderson's put together the list. Amazing list amazing that's why he and so he was yeah. like that's you know when we tried a, it cost me a bloody fortune but he's the kind of guy who probably like you okay. who he can taste the only france though yeah. he specializes in france but he can almost tell you within a yeah, yeah. 700 yards where it's from <laughs> anyone can be a great taster you've just got to focus and want to do it and it's hours of practice but they do say that having a good memory for wine is actually better than how you know the ability to reel off a, a, um, a list of fruit adjectives. Mm. If you can remember the wines you've tasted and make a note and say, oh yeah, that compares the 83s like this or the 80, then you'll go a long way in, the, in, that, in that sort of small niche world. That's me, Bogus. So how did, 
How is this different? What what do they do different to the grapes mm. for them to be so? Yes, yeah, so the grapes are left to to sort of mm. shrivel. Yeah, and and and, and what, so they get really concentrated. Yeah. Then the ice encapsulates. So, so you're picking ice, and then you're just left with this. You can imagine this incredibly concentrated, concentrated juice, which mm. is sugary, and, and there's a lot of residual sugar in this. Yes. I was this down because I thought it might be interesting. So, Sean, going back to a can of Coke, mm. full-fat Coke, has about 108 grams of residual sugar. Um, Ikem, which is from Saturn, has about 141. But going back to your wine that you left on the aeroplane, mm. Tokai, I think that has um, 250 grams. Wow. And their very top wine, Essentia, has 488 grams. Oof. Uh, I don't know what's in this, but it, but but it's it, it's always disguised by the acidity. Mm. Um, so I always advise not to drink these last thing at night. It's the worst thing you could do because it it wakes you up. Because you you get a sugar rush. Yeah, yeah. So would you have a dessert wine with the, a lunch? Well, or and it's incredibly decadent in the afternoon. Mm. Mm. If you if you ever had that, if you again if you're on holiday, sure. <laughs> or if, if you're could, doing a wine if, podcast, if you're, if you're on Cunard, <laughs> afternoon tea on Cunard. Have oh, a glass of yes. wine. <laughs> that could be your dessert. It could be, exactly. Yeah. You don't have you, you, to have it with a no, cake. Yeah. You could just yeah. have that as that's your dessert. You're I, absolutely I like right. This. And that's what I tend to do. I, I don't like the double hit of... Yeah, that's it's a lot. It's almost like a, a bread and butter pudding or a yeah. mm. sort of aftertaste really gives you a... Complex. Or like a... Almost like a like a treacle tart. Mm. Yeah. Yes. You're right. It's yeah, um, really good. It's like... Um, I know what you mean, like grandmother's suet. Yeah. And... um. But also that you know, that bitterness is like um, orange peel, isn't it? There's so many flavours, and I think mm. if you if you if you were interested in starting to be a wine taster and, and, and identifying aromas and flavours, sweet wine is the best place to start because it, it it's the easiest wine to mm. to count and and, yeah. to, and to rep. I think because humans just, we we love sweetness in, inherently, don't we? I was talking about that with the eldest the other day. It's, it's, it's in the DNA, isn't it? Because it, when, when we were foragers or whatever, you, yeah. it was an easy source of energy, wasn't it? It was yeah. like, and that's why we were wired to love it, really. And you knew it was safe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, but going back to me and my COVID reminds me of, I, th- I had a, a, what I thought was a great idea. I thought that Sainsbury's or somebody could do a great range of food for people who've had COVID called Can't Taste the Difference. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter what you put in it, really. They're not going to know. That is brilliant. Mm. Sean, what was your favourite wine of today? That, uh, the dessert wine was r- so far up my street. It yeah. was parked on my driveway. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. And have you learnt anything? <laughs> not from me, but from Will. <laughs> well, I mean, a, just a, a wealth of, of, of interest and information, actually. I've never experienced an orange wine before. No, it was good. Um, was I, didn't know, I didn't know anything about ice wine before. So nice. So yeah. I'm enriched. It's been an interesting journey for me, actually. One of the more, I do like that orange wine, actually, because I'm just. I'm gonna taste it, obviously, to select it for for this. But it's a wine you could just happily drink, isn't it? After you could quaff yeah. quite easily. Says going back to it. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. The pleasure is all mine. Cheers. Thank you so Cheers. much for having us. It's been Cheers. A, a pleasure and a privilege. That's it from us today. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Wine Times in association with the Sunday Times Wine Club, produced by Ben Mitchell. 
You can follow the podcast so you never miss an episode. Just do this via your normal podcast provider. And we'll be back next week with more delicious wine and a fabulous guest. And remember that all of the wines we tasted today are available from the Sunday Times Wine Club website. But from all of us here at Amazing Grace, thank you very much for listening and we hope to see you next week for more Wine Times. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.